Peace and blessings, everyone. I'm your host, Sean Crystal Parker, and welcome to episode 49 of Real Shift Happens. And in this episode, we're reading the book Freedom for All by Neville Carter. So stay tuned because you don't want to miss a thing. I go within, walking in the fertile soil of my own being. There my ancestors' fossilized footprints lead the path to my destiny, embedded in my soul. I can feel the pain and the toil, the sorrow. I bear the weight on my shoulders, but also the joy, the laughter, the song. I hear my community deep within my spirit, quietly guiding my footsteps along the path. I go within. Thank you so much for joining me. So this episode, we are reading the book Freedom for All by Neville Goddard. And this is going to be part one with chapters one through four. And the next episode will be part two with chapters five through eight. So the book isn't very long. So that's why I thought I'd go ahead and just read it all because it's packed dense with jewels. So you have to hear every word, process it yourself. And like other Neville Goddard books, he goes in deep into consciousness. So let's get right into that right after our five minute focus shift right now. Returning to the source is serenity. We will now begin the meditation. Sit comfortably, upright, wherever you are, and close your eyes. Relax your body from your head all the way down to your toes. Release all the worry from the day. Begin to notice your breathing. Focus in on each breath that you take in and out. And let your mind relax. Now, quietly in your mind, repeat the vibration and universal mantra, RUM. RUM. Continue to repeat the mantra in your mind over and over 
and as the thoughts come in, allow them to come and let them go. And I will let you know when the time is up. space that you can reach at any time you want so just remember that remember this feeling and um yeah let's now for the topic at hand we're reading the book freedom for all by neville goddard and the reason i chose to read it is because like i said it's not very long but it's very dense in meaning and I mean, it's, it's really packed with jewels. Um, and I wanted you to kind of just hear it word for word. And if it resonates with you, great. If not, 
then that's okay too. Um, for me, Neville Goddard books are kind of the first works that I've heard someone break down certain meanings in the Bible in such a metaphysical way. Um, so the concept of God or the creator being consciousness is a concept widely accepted in esoteric realms and even in ancient African religions. Um, like many sacred texts, the Bible has exoteric and esoteric meanings. So, you know, like there's kind of like this story with this kind of fabled fable meaning and then there's a deeper esoteric meaning to the story the same stories usually and there are mysticism branches in all of the major religions and they basically are you know state claim to knowing and protecting the esoteric meanings of their perspective religion like for example the kabbalah uh, the kabbalah teachings in the jewish faith um, the esoteric meanings usually are, were passed down orally through the generations and only those who were initiated into the mysteries were told and given this special knowledge and the true meanings of, you know, their religion and the fables and stories that were a part of them. Um, so over the years, many of these groups... Um, kind of just have taken these meanings and created religions. <laughs> and a lot of these, um, a lot of this knowledge is, is the foundations of ancient mystical philosophies. And these were the precursors to all religions and to yoga. So in the book, Egyptian Yoga, the Philosophy of Enlightenment, Volume 1, by Sebe Dr. Muada Ashby. He writes, quote, Ancient mystical philosophy states that creation has not been created, that creation is in fact a mental manifestation, and that all mental manifestations are emanations of the Supreme Being. Further, it states that we, our souls, are not only manifestations of the Creator, but we are the Creator, as the Creator alone exists. He goes on to add, quote, Our soul has experiences through the prism of the mind. Our bodies are manifestations of our mind. Further, a purified mind can attain the vision of reality as it really is, end quote. And I'm just giving you a few of the quotes from the book because this book is really good, but of course I can't read the whole book, but that other book. But yeah, so he also says, um, quote, the world and everything in it, including our bodies, as we see it with ordinary eyes is only a reflection of the true reality. True reality is mental energy and spirit, pure consciousness. Therefore, the correct attitude toward physical life should be one which encompasses surrendering one's ego consciousness 
and accepting one's true identity, loving all impersonally, relinquishing possessiveness and accepting the true underlying reality, God. He says, quote, this is the highest teaching in yoga of wisdom. Once it is understood, even in part, feelings of detachment and dispassion for objects of the world begin to occur in the individual. One experiences a feeling of participating in the world, but understanding that it is not the absolute reality. He continues, the concept of absolute reality is embodied in the Netur of Egypt, the Nintu of Yorubas, Ama of the Dogon, Brahman of Hinduism, Tao of Taoism, the Dharmakaya of Buddhism, the Kingdom of Heaven of Christianity, Kether of the Kabbalah, the Great Spirit and Quetzalcoatl of Native Americans, and Allah of Muslims. So yeah, he definitely breaks it down there. And that's just like a tiny snippet out of that book, which is so bomb. And that's another one that is chock full of gems. And it's definitely one you'll want to pick up for yourself. Um, It's kind of more of a reference guide, but I'll leave the link in the description. And again, that book is Egyptian Yoga, The Philosophy of Enlightenment, Volume 1 by Dr. Sebe, Dr. Uh, by Dr. I mean, by, I'm sorry, by Sebe, Dr. Muada Ashby. And he, he has a whole series of books actually on Egyptian, ancient Egyptian philosophy, um, and ancient Egyptian yoga, comedic yoga. So definitely check that out. Um, and this is really just one reference to to God as being pure consciousness. There's so many other sources, including now like the mainstream science is starting to say this as well through um, new sciences like quantum physics and string theory. And um, so definitely do your research and take what resonates with you. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So let's get into this reading, right? Returning to the source is serenity. Freedom for all forward. Public opinion will not long endure a theory which does not work in practice. Today, probably more than ever before, Man demands proof of the truth of even his highest ideal. For ultimate satisfaction, man must find a principle which is for him a way of life, a principle which he can experience as true. I believe I have discovered just such a principle in the greatest of all sacred writings, the Bible. Drawn from my own mystical illumination, This book reveals the truth buried within the stories of the Old Testament and New Testaments alike. Briefly, the book states that consciousness is the one and only reality. 
that consciousness is the cause and manifestation is the effect. It draws the reader's attention to this fact constantly that the reader may always keep first things first. Having laid the foundation that a change of consciousness is essential to bring about any change of expression, this book explains to the reader a dozen different ways to bring about such a change of consciousness. This is a realistic and constructive principle that works. The revelation it contains, if applied, will set you free. Chapter 1. The Oneness of God Hear, O Israel, the Lord of our God is one Lord. Hear, O Israel, hear, O man made of the very substance of God. You and God are one and undivided. Man, the world, and all within it are conditioned states of the unconditioned one, God. You are this one. You are God conditioned as man. All that you believe God to be, you are. But you will never know this to be true until you stop claiming it of another and recognize this seeming other to be yourself. God and man, spirit and matter, the formless and the formed, the creator and the creation, the cause and the effect, your father and you are one. This one in whom all conditioned states live and move and have their being is your I am your unconditioned consciousness. Unconditioned consciousness is God, the one and only reality. By unconditioned consciousness is meant a sense of awareness, a sense of knowing that I am apart from knowing who I am. The consciousness of being Divorced from that which I am conscious of being. I am aware of being a man, but I need not be man to be aware of being. Before I become became aware of being someone, I, unconditioned awareness, was aware of being. And this awareness does not depend upon being someone. I am self-existent, unconditioned consciousness. I became aware of being someone, and I shall become aware of being someone other than this that I am now aware of being. But I am eternally aware of being, whether I am unconditioned formlessness or I am conditioned form. As the conditioned state, I, man, might forget who I am or where I am, but I cannot forget that I am. This knowing that I am, this awareness of being, is the only reality. This unconditioned consciousness, the I am, is that knowing reality in whom all conditioned states, conceptions of myself, begin and end, but whichever remains the unknown knowing, being 
when all the known ceases to be. All that I have ever believed myself to be, all that I now believe myself to be, and all that I shall ever believe myself to be, are but attempts to know myself, the unknown, undefined reality. This unknown knowing one, or unconditioned consciousness, is my true being, the one and only reality. I am the unconditioned reality, conditioned as that which I believe myself to be. I am the believer limited by my beliefs, the knower defined by my, by the known. The world is my conditioned consciousness objectified. That which I feel and believe to be true of myself is now projected in space as my world. The world, my mirrored self, even bears witness of the state of consciousness in which I live. There is no chance or accident responsible for the things that happen to me or the environment in which I find myself, nor is predestined fate the author of my fortune or misfortunes. Innocence and guilt are mere words with no meaning to the law of consciousness, except as they reflect the state of consciousness itself. The consciousness of guilt calls forth condemnation. The consciousness of lack produces poverty. Man everlastingly objectifies the state of consciousness in which he abides, but he has somehow or other become confused in the interpretation of the law of cause and effect. He has forgotten that it is in the inner state which is the cause of the outer manifestation, as within, so without. This is the correspondence principle the second of the seven principles of Hermes Trismegistus. And in his forgetfulness, he believes that an outside God has, an, has his own peculiar reason for doing things, such reasons being beyond the comprehension of mere man. Or he believes that people are suffering because of past mistakes which have been forgotten by the conscious mind. Or again, that blind chance alone plays the part of God. One day, man will realize that his own I amness is the God he has been seeking throughout the ages, and that his own sense of awareness, his consciousness of being, is the one and only reality. The most difficult thing for man to really grasp is this that the I amness in himself is God. It is true. It is his true being or father state, the only state he can be sure of. The son, his conception of himself is an illusion. He always knows that he is, but that which he is, is an illusion created by himself, the father, in an attempt at self-definition. This discovery reveals that all that I have believed God to be, I am. 
I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five is a statement of fact concerning my consciousness. For my consciousness resurrects or makes visibly alive that which I am conscious of being. I am the door. John 10, 10, 2, 10, 7, and 10, 9. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. John 10, 8 shows me that my consciousness is the one and only entrance into the world of expression. That by assuming the consciousness of being or possessing the thing which I desire to be or possess is the only way by which I can become it or possess it. That any attempt to express this desirable state in ways other than by assuming the consciousness of being or possessing it is to be robbed of the joy of expression and possession. I am the beginning and the end. Revelations 1, 8, 8 and 22, 13 reveals my consciousness as the cause of the birth and death of all expression. I am hath sent me. Exodus 3.14 reveals my consciousness to be the Lord which sends me into the world in the image and likeness of that which I am conscious of being to live in a world composed of all that I am conscious of. I am the Lord and there is no God beside me. Isaiah 45.5 declares my consciousness to be the one and only Lord, and beside my consciousness there is no God. Be still and know that I am God. Psalms 46.10 means that I should still the mind and know that consciousness is God. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Exodus 27. I am the Lord that is my name. Isaiah 42 8. Now that you have discovered your I am, your consciousness to be God, do not claim anything to be true of yourself that you would not claim to be true of God. For in defining yourself, you are defining God. That which you are conscious of being is that which you have named God. God and man are one. You and your father are one. John 10.30 Your unconditioned consciousness or I am and that which you are conscious of being are one. The conceiver and the conception are one. If your conception of yourself is less than that which you claim as true of God, you have robbed God. See Philippians 2.6, the Father, because you, the Son, or conception, bear witness of the Father or conceiver. Do not take the magical name of God, I am, in vain, for you will not be held guiltless. You must express all that you claim yourself to be. Name God by consciously defining yourself as your highest ideal. Chapter 2. The Name of God 
It cannot be stated too often that consciousness is the one and only reality, for this is the truth that sets man free. This is the foundation upon which the whole structure of the biblical literature rests. The stories of the Bible are all mystical revelations written in an Eastern symbolism which reveals to the intuitive the secret of creation and the formula of escape. The Bible is man's attempt to express in words the cause and manner of creation. Man discovered that his consciousness was the cause or creator of his world. So he proceeded to tell the story of creation in a series of symbolical stories known to us today as the Bible. To understand this greatest of books, you need a little intelligence and much intuition. Intelligence enough to enable you to read the book and intuition enough to interpret and understand what you read. You may ask, why was the Bible written symbolically? Why was it not written in a clear, simple style so that all who read it read it might understand it? To these questions, I reply that all men speak symbolically to that part of the world which differs from their own. The language of the West is clear to us of the West, but it is symbolic to the East and vice versa. An example of this can be found in the Easterner's instruction. If thine hand offend thee, cut it off. Mark 9.43 He speaks of the hand not as the hand of the body, but as any form of expression. And therefore, and thereby he warns you to turn from that expression in your world which is offensive to you. At the same time, the man of the West would unintentionally mislead the man of the East by saying this bank is on the rocks. For the expression on the rocks to the Westerner is equivalent to bankruptcy, while a rock to an Easterner is a symbol of faith and security. I will like him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, and it was founded upon a rock. Matthew seven twenty four twenty five. The first thing you must discover if you will unlock the secret of the Bible is the meaning of the symbolic name of the creator which is known to all as Jehovah. This word Jehovah is composed of the four Hebrew letters Jod, He, Va, He. The whole secret of creation is concealed within this name. The first letter, Jod, represents the absolute state or consciousness unconditioned, the sense of undefined awareness, that all-inclusiveness out of which all creation or conditioned states of consciousness come. In the terminology of today, Jod is I am or unconditioned consciousness. The second letter, he, 
represents the only begotten son, a desire, an image, an imaginary state. It symbolizes an idea, a defined subjective state, or clarified mental picture. The third letter, Va, symbolizes the act of unifying or joining the conceiver, Jod, the conscious, the consciousness desiring to the conception, He, the state desired, so that the conceiver and the conception become one. Fixing a mental state, consciously defining yourself as the state desired, impressing upon yourself the fact that you are now that which you imagined or conceived as your objective, is the function of Va. It nails or joins the consciousness desiring to the thing desired. The cementing or joining process is accomplished subjectively, by feeling the reality of that which is not yet objectified. The fourth letter, he, represents the objectifying of this subjective agreement. The jod, he, va, makes man, or the manifested world, he, in the image and likeness of itself, the subjective conscious state. So the function of the final he is to objectively bear witness to the subjective state, jod, he, va. Conditioned consciousness continually objectifies itself on the screen of space. The world is the image and likeness of the subjective conscious state which created it. The visible world of itself can do nothing. It only bears record of its creator, the subjective state. It is the visible sun, he, bearing witness of the invisible father, son, and mother, Jod, he, va, a holy trinity, which can only be seen when made visible as man or manifestation. Your unconditioned consciousness, Jod, is your I am, which visualizes or imagines a desirable state, he, and then becomes conscious of being that state imagined by feeling and believing itself to be the imagined state. The conscious union between you who desire and that which you desire to be is made possible through the va or your capacity to feel and believe. Believing is simply living in the feeling of actually being the state imagined by assuming the consciousness of being the state desired. The subjective state symbolized as jod he va then objectifies itself as he, thereby completing the mastery of the creator's name and nature, jod he va he, Jehovah. Jod is to be aware he is to be aware of something. Va is to be aware as or to be be aware of being that which you were only aware of. The second he is your visible objectified world, which is made in the image and likeness of the jod he va or that which you are aware of being. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Genesis 126. 
Let us, Jod Hiva, make the objective manifestation, He, in our image, the image of the subjective state. The world is, a, is the objectified likeness of the subjective conscious state in which consciousness abides. This understanding that consciousness is the one and only reality is the foundation of the Bible. The stories of the Bible are attempts to reveal in symbolic language the secret of creation as well as to show man the one formula to escape from all of his own creations. This is the true meaning of the name Jehovah, the name by which all things are made and without which there is nothing made that which is made. John 1, 3. First, you are aware. Then you become aware of something. Then you become aware as that which you are aware of. Then you behold objectively that which you are aware of being. Chapter 3. The Law of Creation. Let us take one of the stories of the Bible and see how the prophets and writers of old revealed the story of creation by this strange Eastern symbolism. We all know the story of Noah and the ark, that Noah was chosen to create a new world after the world was destroyed by the flood. The Bible tells us that Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Genesis 6.10. The first son is called Shem, which means name. Ham, the second son, means warm, alive. The third son is called Jepheth, which means extension. You will observe that Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth, contain the same formula of creation as does the divine name of Jod He Vahi. Noah, the father, the conceiver, the builder of a new world, is equivalent to the Jod or unconditioned consciousness. I am. Shem is your desire, that which you are conscious of, that which you name and define as your objective, and is equivalent to the second letter in the divine name, He. Ham is the warm, live state of feeling which joins or binds together consciousness desiring and the thing desired and is therefore equivalent to the third letter in the divine name, the Va. The last son, Jepheth, means extension and is the extended or objectified state bearing witness of the subjective state and is equivalent to the last letter in the divine name, He. You are Noah, the knower, the creator. The first thing you beget is an idea, an urge, a desire, the word, or your first son, Shem, or name. Your second son, Ham, warm, alive, is the secret of feeling by which you are joined to, de to your desire subjectively so that you, the consciousness desiring, become conscious of being or possessing the thing desired. Your third son, Jepheth, is the confirmation, the visible proof that you know the secret of creation. He is the extended or objectified state bearing witness of the invisible or subjective state in which you abide. In the story of Noah, 
It is recorded that Ham saw the secrets of his father, Genesis 9.22, and because of his dis- discovery, he was made to serve his brothers Shem and Jephthah, 9.25. Ham, or feeling, is the secret of the father, your I am, for it is through feeling that the consciousness desiring is joined to the thing desired. The conscious union or mystical marriage is made possible only through feeling. It is feeling which performs this heavenly union of father and son, Noah and Shem, unconditioned consciousness and conditioned consciousness. By performing this service, feeling automatically serves Jephthah, the extended or expressed state. For there can be no objectified expression unless there is first a subjective impression. To feel the presence of the thing desired, to subjectively actualize a state by impressing upon yourself through feeling a definite conscious state is the secret of creation. Your present objectified world is Jephthah, which was made visible by Ham. Therefore, Ham serves his brothers Shem and Jephthah, for without feeling, which is symbolized as Ham, the idea or thing desired, Shem, cannot be made visible as Jephthah. The ability to feel the unseen, the ability to actualize and make real a definite subjective state through the sense of feeling is the secret of creation, the secret by which the word or unseen desire is made visible, is made flesh. John 1.14 And God calleth things that be not as though they were. Romans 4.17 Consciousness calls things that are not seen as they were. And it does, does this first by defining itself as that which it desires to express. And second, by remaining within the defined state until the invisible becomes visible. Here is the perfect working of the law according to the story of Noah. This very moment you are aware of being. The awareness of being, this knowing that you are, is Noah, the creator. Now with Noah's identity established as your own consciousness of being, name something that you would like to possess or express. Define some objective, Shem. And with your desire clearly defined, close your eyes and feel that you have it or are expressing it. Don't question how it can be done. Simply feel that you have it. Assume the attitude of mind that would be yours if you were already in possession of it so that you feel that it is done. Feeling is the secret of creation. Be as wise as Ham. Make this discovery that you too may have the joy of serving your brothers Shem and Jephthah, the joy of making the word or name flesh. Chapter 4 The Secret of Feeling The secret of feeling or calling of the invisible into visible states is beautifully told in the story of Isaac blessing his second son Jacob 
by the belief, based solely upon feeling, that he was blessing his first son Esau. Genesis 27, 1-35 It is recorded that Isaac, who was old and blind, felt that he was about to leave this world and wishing to bless his first son Esau before he died, sent Esau hunting for savory venison with the promise that upon his return from the hunt he, he would receive his father's blessing. Now Jacob, who desired the birthright or right to be born through the blessing of his father, overheard his blind father's request for venison and his promise to Esau. So as Esau went hunting for the venison, Jacob killed and dressed a kid of his father's flock. Placing the skins upon his smooth body to give him the feel of his hairy and rough brother Esau, he brought the tastily, taste, tastely prepared kid to his blind father Isaac. And Isaac, who depended solely upon his sense of feel, mistook his second son Jacob for his first son Esau and pronounced his blessing on Jacob. Esau, on his return from the hunt, learned that his smooth-skinned brother Jacob had, had supplanted him, so he appealed to his father for justice. But Isaac answered and said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. 27.35 I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given him for given to him for servants. 27.37 Simple human decency should tell man that this story cannot be taken literally. There must be a message for a man hidden somewhere in this treacherous and despicable act of Jacob. The hidden message, the formula of success buried in the story, was intuitively revealed to the writer in this manner. Isaac, the blind father, is your consciousness, your awareness of being. Esau, the hairy son, is your present objectified world the rough or sensibly felt, the present moment, the present environment, your present conception of yourself. In short, the world you know by reason of your objective senses. Jacob, the smooth-skinned lad, the second son, is your desire or your subjective state, an idea not yet embodied, a subjective state which is perceived and sensed but not objectively known or seen, a point in time and space removed from the present. In short, Jacob is your defined objective. The smooth-skinned Jacob or subjective state seeking embodiment or the right of birth when properly felt or blessed by his father, when consciously felt or fixed as real, becomes objectified. And in so doing, he supplants the rough, hairy Esau, or the former objectified state. Two things cannot occupy a given place at one and the same time. And so as the invisible is made visible, the former visible state vanishes. Your consciousness is the cause of your world. The conscious state in which you abide determines the kind of world which you live. Your present concept of yourself is now objectified as your environment 
And this state is symbolized as Esau, the hairy of sensibly felt the first son. That which you would like to be or possess is symbolized as the second son, Jacob, the smooth-skinned lad who is not yet seen but is subjectively sensed and felt and will, if properly touched, supplant his brother Esau or your present world. Always bear in mind the fact that Isaac, the father of these two sons or states, is blind. He does not see his smooth-skinned son Jacob. He only feels him. And through the sense of feeling, he actually believes Jacob, the subjective, to be Esau, the real, the objectified. You do not see your desire objectively. You simply sense it, feel it subjectively. You do not grope in space after a desirable state. Like Isaac, you sit still and send your first son hunting by removing your attention from your objective world. Then, in the absence of your first son, Esau, you invite the desirable state, your second son, Jacob, to come close so that you may feel it. Come close, my son, that I may feel you. 2721. First, you are aware of it in your own immediate environment. Then you draw it closer and closer and closer until you sense it and feel it in your immediate presence so that it is real and natural to you. If you two, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching on any point that shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. Matthew eighteen nineteen. The two agree through the sense of feel and the agreement is established on earth. It is objectified, is made real. The two agreeing are Isaac and Jacob, you and that which you desire. And the agreement is made solely on the sense of feeling. Esau symbolizes your present objectified world whether it be pleasant or otherwise. Jacob symbolizes any and every desire of your heart. Isaac symbolizes your true self with your eyes closed to the present world in the act of sensing and feeling yourself to be or to possess that which you desire to be or to possess. The secret of Isaac, the sensing, feeling state, is simply the act of mentally separating the sensibly felt your present physical state, from the insensibly felt, that which you would like to be. With the objective senses tightly shut, Isaac made, and you can make the insensibly felt, the objective, the subjective state seem real or sensibly known, for faith is knowledge. Knowing the law of self-expression, the law by which the invisible is made visible, is not enough. It must be applied And this is the method of application. First, send your first son Esau, your present objectified world or problem hunting. This is accomplished simply by closing your eyes and taking your attention away from the objectified limitations. As your senses are removed from the objective world, it vanishes from your consciousness or goes hunting. Second, With your eyes still closed and your attention removed from the world round about you, 
consciously fix the natural time and place for the realization of your desire. With your objective senses closed to your present environment, you can sense and feel the reality of any point in time or space, for both are psychological and can be created at will. It is vitally important that the natural time-space condition of Jacob, that is, the natural time and place for the realization of your desire, be first fixed in your consciousness. If Sunday is the day on which the thing desired is to be realized, then Sunday must be fixed in your consciousness now. Simply begin to feel that it is Sunday until the quietness and naturalness of Sunday is consciously established. You have definite associations with the days, weeks, months, and seasons of the year. You have said time and time again, today feels like Sunday or Monday or Saturday, or this feels like spring or summer or fall or winter. This should convince you that you have definite conscious impressions that you associate with the days, weeks, and the seasons of the year. Then, because of these associations, you can select any desirable time. And by recalling the conscious impression associated with such time, you can make a subjective reality of that time now. Do the same with space. If the room in which you are seated is not the room in which the thing desired would naturally be placed or realized, feel yourself seated in the room or place where it would be natural. Consciously fix this time-space impression before you start the act of sensing and feeling the nearness, the reality, and the possession of the thing desired. It matters not whether the place desired be 10,000 miles away or only next door. You must fix in consciousness the fact that right where you are seated is the desired place. You do not make a mental journey. You collapse space. Sit quietly where you are and make thereness, hereness. Close your eyes and feel that the very place where you are is the place desired. Feel and sense the reality of it until you are consciously impressed with, the, with this fact. For your knowledge of this fact is based solely on your subjective sensing. Third, in the absence of Esau, the problem, and with the natural time-space established, you invite Jacob, the solution, to come and fill this space, to come and supplant his brother. In your imagination, see the thing desired. If you cannot visualize it, sense the general outline of it, contemplate it, then mentally draw it closer to you. Come close, my son, that I may feel you. Feel the nearness of it. Feel it to be in your immediate presence. Feel the reality and solidity of it. Feel it and see it naturally placed in the room in which you are seated. Feel the thrill of actual accomplishment and the joy of possession. Now open your eyes. This brings you back to the objective world, the rough and sensibly felt world. 
your hairy son Esau has returned from the hunt and by his very presence tells you that you have been betrayed by your smooth-skinned son Jacob, the subjective, psychologically felt. But like Isaac, whose confidence was based upon the knowledge of this changeless law, you too will say, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. That is, even though your problems appear fixed and real, you have felt the subjective psychological state to be real to the point of receiving the thrill of that reality. You have experienced the secret of creation for you have felt the reality of the subjective. You have fixed a definite psychological state which in spite of all opposition or precedent will objectify itself, thereby fulfilling the name of Jacob, the supplanter. Here are a few practical examples of this drama. First, the blessing or making a thing real. Sit in your living room and name a piece of furniture, rug, or lamp that you would like to have in this particular room. Look at that area of the room where you, where you would like to place it if you had it. Close your eyes and let all that now occupies that area of the room vanish. In your imagination, see this area as empty space. There is absolutely nothing there. Now begin to fill this space with the desired piece of furniture. Sense and feel that you have it in this very area. Imagine you are seeing that which you desire to see. Continue in this consciousness until you feel the thrill of possession. Second, the blessing or the making of a place real. You are now seated in your apartment in New York City, contemplating the joy that would be yours if you were on an ocean liner sailing across the great Atlantic. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. John 14, 2 through 3, 3. Your eyes are closed. You have consciously released the New York apartment. And in its place, you sense and feel that you are on an ocean liner. You are seated in a deck chair. There is nothing round you but the vast Atlantic. Fix the reality of the ship and ocean so that in this state you can mentally recall the day when you were seated in your New York apartment dreaming of this day at sea. Recall the mental picture of yourself seated there in New York dreaming of this day. In your imagination, see the memory picture of yourself back there in your New York apartment. If you succeed in looking back on your New York apartment without consciously returning there, then you have successfully successfully prepared the reality of this voyage. Remain in this conscious state feeling the reality of the ship and the ocean. Feel the joy of this accomplishment. Then open your eyes. You have gone and prepared the place. You have fixed a definite psychological state and where you are in consciousness there, you shall be in body also. Third, the blessing or making real of a point in time. 
you consciously let go of this day, month, or year, as the case may be, and you imagine that it is now the day, month, or year which you desire to experience. You sense and feel the reality of the desired time by impressing upon yourself the fact that it is now accomplished. As you sense the naturalness of this time, you begin to feel the thrill of having finally realized that which before you started this psychological journey in time, you desire to experience at this time. With the knowledge of your power to bless, you can open the doors of any prison. The prison of illness or poverty or of any humdrum existence. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Isaiah 61.1 and Luke 4.18 Yep, that's it. That is part one. And so we will finish part two in the next episode. Okay, um, this book is so deep. So just take a few minutes to process it all. You know, really listen if you want. Take notes if you need to. And, you know, just try to absorb what it's saying. You know, I know it's it may not be something you've ever heard before. I don't know. And if it doesn't resonate with you because you're used to a more literal and traditional interpretation of the Bible, that's fine too. Um, I just say, remember to always go deeper and to always do your own research. Okay. And on that note, I'm going to wrap it up here. And until next time, what do we do? We have to do the inner work to create a shift in our own consciousness, which will create a shift in the collective consciousness. That's the goal. So don't forget, you guys, support us at anchor.fm slash realshifthappens and subscribe to Real Shift Happens Wellness Podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Apple um, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. So definitely subscribe. And also on the anchor.fm slash realshifthappens profile page you can leave us a message and let us know what you think about this book the interpretation that that the author gives of the bible and until next time real shifters go within and make real shift happen peace